It, it, it's time to make the crunch time plays. Now your host, Bennett Gainey. Bennett Crunch, crunch, crunch time plays. This is Pat Smith from Three Man Front, and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tara Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, it's Jim Dunaway from the next round, and when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, always look for Crunch Time Plays. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hopping back into Crunch Time Plays today, whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like we said a couple weeks ago, we're still ticking to the same motto. We are taking the Kansas Athletic Department approach from their football game against Oklahoma a few weeks ago. Our gates are wide open to you, the college football fan, right here on Crunch Time Plays. And no ticket required, no subscription required. All we ask you to do is a few things. Number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel. Still, over 95% of our viewers still aren't subscribed, so absolutely free to do that. Make sure you do that and hit the like button as well while you're here. It's absolutely free. Ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you prefer to listen to us on the podcast feed, make sure you're subscribed there and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely free to do all of those things and just helps us out what we want to do right here on crunch time plays to keep the show free for you, because that's always what we're going to want to do. We're always going to want to keep it free. Never going to charge for this show. So always appreciate everybody doing those things and make sure you're following on social media as well at plays crunch. I had a big recruiting weekend that we'll get to when we talk about Texas A&M and Auburn South Carolina picked up a commitment as well from three-star defensive lineman Demetrius Watson. We've got graphics on all of that. Anything that happens in the SEC and recruiting, we're going to have the graphics for it. So that's why you're going to want that's why you're going to want to make sure you're following on social media. As I got uh, tongue-tied there, you're going to want to make sure that you are following on social media at Plays Crunch on Twitter and Instagram to get those graphics, get all the content that we're putting out right here on Crunch Time Plays. So thank you everybody for that. And before we get to the recap, got to give a shout out to prizepicks.com, number one daily fantasy sports app. They've got anything you want over there. They got the NFL, got Major League Baseball when it gets started back up again, just coming off the World Series. How about those Braves again, by the way, just coming off the World Series. The NBA is in full force. And obviously, college football is what we're focusing on with our player props. So anything you want over there on prizepicks.com player props, number one daily fantasy sports app. You've got it over there at your disposal. And if you use the code crunch time plays, you automatically get that hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Again, that's prizepick.com. Make sure you use the code crunch time plays. And we're going to want to start with the recap with the game. I was at on Saturday night in Columbia, South Carolina at Williams Bryce stadium, South Carolina, quite literally, dismantles Florida 42-17 on Saturday night. And what a night it was for Shane Beamer and the entire Gamecock football program. A program-building win for Coach Beamer in his first season in Columbia where all the momentum had seemed like it stalled out 
especially on offense, all the recruiting momentum that we thought South Carolina had gained, which they did gain in the summer leading into the season. We had thought all of that kind of stalled out, but full steam ahead uh, for this program right now uh, after this win and the offense looked like it was improved. Credit to, to Marcus Satterfield for that. I got a hunch that, that Shane Beamer was a little bit more involved and as well as possibly Pete Limbo. They were a little bit more involved with the with the play calling on Saturday night because it's the first time that we've really seen a lot of those uh, plays, but especially uh, that little pop pass to, to Nick Muse over the middle that, that Jason Brown hit. Coach Beamer referenced it after the game, so they got that from Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. So a lot of those a lot of those offensive concepts and and things that we had thought this offense was going to be, uh, it kind of looked like that it refurbished itself over the bye week. So credit Coach Beamer and and ever that whole staff for that, and, and credit Coach Satterfield. So I know he got a he's been getting a lot of heat, and rightfully so because the offense has not been good through the first eight games, but it was good on Saturday night. So that's why the Gamecocks are five and four. First game that we play complimentary football if you're South Carolina. South Carolina's defense obviously has been getting demoralized by the offense the whole season. You saw sitting up there, you saw on the sideline, especially the defense really starting to buy into what the offense was doing on Saturday night. Complimentary football is the key. That's what South Carolina and every team is always going to want to play. And we definitely saw that on Saturday night in Columbia, the first time this season that we've seen a game of complimentary football from the Gamecocks this year. But there was a stark contrast in this game. Felt like two ships passing in the night. Stark contrast where you have one sideline in South Carolina who went to battle for their head coach on Saturday night as they have all season. And I sat there in Williams-Brice Stadium on Saturday night and watched the Florida program and the Florida team on that other sideline literally turn itself upside down and implode on itself. You know, the observation that I made from seeing Florida up close was that, you know, it really appeared that Dan Mullen believed uh, what that SEC coach was quoted as saying in that, in that athletic article uh, last week, talk about how their, how their team is soft and, and, you know, we kind of kind of saw that that Dan Mullen possibly even believes that himself, uh, and and it's obvious that now that you know he has lost the locker room and he he has lost trust in the players and the players have lost trust in in what that coaching staff is is telling them. But it seems to me like just watching the game Saturday night, it seemed like that Dan Mullen really believed uh, in the softness of his team because the first ten. I mean, granted, Emory Jones did hit a couple of those explosive deep balls down the field, but the first 10 of Florida's offensive plays were passes. And when you're talking about a team that leads the SEC in yards per carry, uh, that's not really showing a great deal of confidence in your offensive line. So, so there's there's a lot going on uh, at Florida right now. And and uh, obviously Ty Grantham and, and John Hevesy have been fired. Uh, defensive coordinator Ty Grantham, the offensive line coach John Hevesy. So some staff changes are already being made 
at Florida, could Dan Mullen be next? You know, I, I'm starting to to believe that that uh, that there's really no uh, coming back from this. And it all started uh, last year, leading into the bowl game, when when Dan Mullen had checked out and started flirting with the NFL, and and he never really got fully engaged. And and the players have seen that uh, so far uh, this season. And uh, and I think that the players have really lost faith in him and. And Dan Mullen's really lost faith in the players, as it seems, uh, in the evidence on Saturday night with those 10 straight pass plays coming out of the gate. But if you're a South Carolina fan right now, you gotta be you gotta have a smile on your face because it seems like that the dismantling of Florida has been a trend for the Gamecocks as of late, because take you back to 2014 the Gamecocks were the final straw that got Will Muschamp fired from Florida back in 2014, that read option that Dylan Thompson kept and, and waltzed right into the end zone for South Carolina's winning touchdown in the swamp in 2014. But also in the immediate aftermath of the game Saturday night, two assistants at Florida were let go in the defensive coordinator, Ty Grantham, and the offensive line coach, John Hevesy. So the Gamecocks are now notoriously known for uh, dismantling the Gator program, which I know if you're a South Carolina fan watching or listening right now, I know you got to be happy about that. But it's a it was a magical night in Columbia. It was a program building night for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks, especially you know when we talk, we always talk about recruiting on here. It's one of the main things that we cover in recruiting. You had uh, speaking of of Emory Floyd uh, specifically, that four star defensive back that that's committed to the Gamecocks. Now he was he's obviously thinking about taking some visits to to Florida. Now he was at the game on Saturday night, and and uh, after the game, he has now said that he is a hundred percent locked in uh, to the Gamecocks, especially uh, with the way that that everything has gone down over the weekend uh, with Ty Grantham and being fired as the defensive coordinator at Florida. And uh, you know you got to think if you're if you're South Carolina staff, you're gonna start to to reconnect with some of those a couple guys that you've lost uh, from Florida. Think about defensive lineman Jamari Lyons, for example. Uh, Jaden Gibson, the wide receiver, is an example. You're gonna want to start uh, coming back and trying to hit those guys because you get in their ear, you know, telling them that you know Dan Moa may not be the coach at Florida. In 2022, it's obvious that Ty Grantham is not going to be the defensive coordinator in 2022, which we knew that probably anyway that he was going to be gone at the end of the season. So definitely one of the reasons why I think Emory Floyd is is going to be sticking with the Gamecocks. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does uh, go to Florida uh, for the next uh, couple weeks. I know they were thinking about having him uh, for a visit. They really wanted him down there. For the visit, but uh, seems like uh, Emory Floyd is really a lot in on the Gamecocks now. But it's a, it's a huge night uh, for recruiting, especially because you know at the end of the season, nobody is gonna nobody is gonna care that Florida didn't want to be there or Dan Mullen had lost the locker room. All they're gonna see is South Carolina beat Florida in Shane Beamer's first season in Columbia. So that win is gonna carry a lot of weight, and they're gonna squeeze all that juice out of the recruiting orange of this win that they can possibly get. So credit 
to Shane Beamer and the program that he is building at South Carolina. And I don't know where Florida goes from here. And uh, Dan Owen is certainly in a lot of hot water right now. And uh, we'll see um, how it goes the rest of the year. You know, if they if they lose to, to Missouri and or Florida State, uh, I know that Scott Strickland and Dan Mullen are really tight. They go back to the days at Mississippi State. But you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's about the results, and, and the results have not been there um, this year. And, and when you think about the optics of everything, uh, Dan Mullen flirting with the NFL last year, checking out before the bowl game, and the, the team has obviously checked out on him and he's it seems that he's checked out on them uh is evidenced by uh that lack of faith that he showed on the offensive line on saturday night so that was really disappointing to see if you're if you're a gator fan but saturday night was all about shane beamer and and south carolina and the program that he is building there 82 rushing yards the game cops gave up on saturday night credit clayton white jimmy Lindsay, mike peterson that whole defensive staff over there for doing that and you know it was that was really the thing that caught my eye was watching South Carolina over the last few weeks leading into that Florida game it's definitely it definitely started to seem that the defense was really starting to get frustrated with the offense for for not holding up their end of the bargain not playing complimentary football but on Saturday night we saw uh, that Gamecock defense uh, really be encouraged by that offensive performance and no I don't know if if uh if that performance will carry over because they did run a lot of gap scheme Carolina did on the offensive line they they pretty much did what LSU did to Florida they really ran the exact same plays that LSU ran uh, for all those yards against Florida so be interesting to see can they follow that up can they take the show on the road this week to Missouri and get that bowl eligibility win for Shane Beamer and South Carolina will be huge for the program going forward and will be huge for the momentum in recruiting heading into next month's early signing period. So all credit Saturday night goes to, to Shane Beamer and the program that he's building at South Carolina because it's definitely trending in the right direction right now, especially if you can follow up this performance with another great performance at Missouri this week. And, and who knows, you got Auburn and, and Clemson after that at home, you close out the year with three tigers, 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 and tigers. And, uh, so seven and five, eight and four, not off the table for the Gamecocks right now. And three winnable games still left. And, if you're Shane Beamer and you can win all three of those, even if you win two out of the three, seven and five, what momentum that's going to give you uh, leading into that early signing period, leading in to the transfers that are going to want to come to Columbia via the transfer portal after the season. So, again, all credit to Shane Beamer and that whole game cop football program for their win on Saturday night. Texas A&M moving on now. They defeat Auburn 20-3. Michael Clemens is, is a crunch time player for us this week. The guy that, that had the scoop and score uh, for Texas A&M, the only touchdown scored in that game on Saturday night in College Station. And 
no Auburn's offense really just couldn't couldn't move the football. Credit AM's defense for that. And and AM did enough offensively. They ran the football with Spiller and A Chain. They just did an incredible job. And it was really just a great atmosphere in College Station. And you know, it was it was a great, great win for Jimbo Fisher and Texas AM. And now, you know, we always talk about how it's going to impact the playoff race and different things like that. And and Texas AM now, especially with the way that Alabama looked, we'll get we'll get to them uh, here in a few minutes. But when you think about the way Alabama looked against LSU on Saturday night, only coming out with that 20 to 14 victory. No, you you can't the wheels start going in motion in your mind thinking that Alabama could possibly lose uh, one of their final couple games either to Arkansas or or Auburn and that would open the door for Texas A&M to get to that SEC championship game against Georgia and possibly sneak into that college football playoff. So still a two-loss SEC champion getting into the college football playoff is still not off the table if Alabama loses another game either to Arkansas or what is the most likely on the Plains in the Iron Bowl at the end of the season. So if if only, you know, for A&M, if only they could control their own destiny, if only they could have gotten that one win over Mississippi State. But there's still, still reason for optimism, still reason for hope if you're a Texas A&M fan to make the college football playoff. All you got to do now, you beat Auburn. Now you got to pull for them uh, in the Iron Bowl against against Alabama. And you also got to take care of business this week because you're going on the road to Oxford. College game day is going to be there to take on Ole Miss, who's getting healthier by the day. And Matt Corral, we know have we've we've praised Matt Corral on this show for the leader that he is. Great to see him uh, outshine. Uh, Malik Willis uh, on Saturday getting that win over Liberty. Now, Ole Miss really struggled in the second half, but had a, played a great first half. Really have a great feel of of how this Texas A&M Ole Miss game is going to go. And the Texas A&M they got to feel really good. Probably whenever we do the crunch time preview later in the week, we're we're going to highlight uh, the matchup of of Chance Campbell against uh, against Spiller and A-Chain coming out of the backfield for, for Texas A&M. Chance Campbell being the linebacker at Ole Miss that we've talked about so much on this show. So, And really contrasting in styles, it's really going to be a fun matchup in Oxford on Saturday. So that's where college game day is going to be. And so that's really going to be an exciting matchup. We're going to get into that more later in the week when we do the crunch time preview congratulations to Texas A&M. Auburn just couldn't make the plays. You know, when we had Robert Barron's on last week from Good Bull Hunting, the Texas A&M SB Nation site, we were talking about, you know, we're talking about Auburn's offense, playing Arkansas, playing Ole Miss the two weeks prior, two games prior to when they play Texas A&M. How would they come back to facing that? front seven, and especially the four-down linemen specifically with, with Leal and the gang from, from Texas A&M, and, and Auburn really just couldn't get anything going. 
And uh, so that was really one of the questions. That was a crunch time question that for Auburn, can you continue that offensive momentum uh, facing a, a defense that that's different than what you've had so much success against the last two games? And, and Auburn definitely couldn't answer that crunch time question. And uh, they ultimately uh, lose the game because of it. So congratulations to Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M for that win. Moving on, staying in the SEC, how about Tennessee? They beat Kentucky 45-42 in Lexington on Saturday night. 46 minutes, Kentucky had the football on 50 pass attempts and 49 rushes. So that's – no, that that's really no, – the, the thing for me was the explosive plays for Tennessee and how fun – that offense, watching that offense is when they are firing on all cylinders on first down, not getting into second and seven, second and eight. They really stayed in, really stayed in those short yardage situations, but they also hit so many explosive plays. First two touchdowns were 75 and 72 yards to, to Peyton and, and Bayless Jones Jr. And so when Tennessee is hitting big plays, they're going to score a lot of points and, and they scored 38 offensive points. Alante Taylor, we'll see him again when we get to the crunch time players. But he made the game-winning picks, what ultimately was the game-winning pick six of Will Levis. And Tennessee scored 38 offensive points. So that seven was what they needed on that pick six by Alante Taylor. So he'll, he'll be a crunch time player for this week. So stay tuned for that here in just a little bit, but Tennessee focusing on their matchup against Georgia this coming week. Great win for Tennessee. They, Tennessee is the second best team in the SEC East right now. Can't imagine uh, we were going into the season uh, thinking about that because we were talking about it was Kentucky going to be ahead of Florida and and uh, how how good would Missouri be? Turns out they're not very good at all, and because uh, their defense is is absolutely terrible, and uh, and they've they've really struggled against the run. So if you're a if you're a South Carolina fan looking ahead uh, to that Missouri game this week, there is a heck of a lot of reason for optimism uh, in Columbia, South Carolina this week that you're going to be able to run the football on Missouri like you did last week against Florida. But for Tennessee specifically now, they are the second-best team in the SEC East. Josh Heupel has got a fun offense. and But the key question for the offense is, can you continue to morph it uh, year after year, create some, some wrinkles in it, some things that teams – haven't seen because the book, you know, we know it and we see it in college football all the time. We see it in the NFL all the time. Teams are going to figure you out. The book is going to be out on you. So for Josh Heupel going forward, the crunch time question for him and that Tennessee offensive staff is, can you continue to provide little wrinkles in the offense year after year to keep those defensive coordinators guessing to keep them honest because if you can do that and you've got an offense and you've got a quarterback that's playing as well as Hendon Hooker is right now 
then you're going to score a lot of points every game uh, if you're in Knoxville. And that's got to really excite you if you're a Tennessee volunteer fan today. But the key is defensively 99 plays against Kentucky. Tennessee's defense was on the field. And, and that's just one of the that's just one of the cons of, of the play in the offense that Tennessee wants to play. They don't have the depth right now uh, due to whatever, due to all the things that happened over the summer, leading into the season, everything in the transfer portal. They obviously added guys from the portal as well, but they still don't have the depth defensively to be able to play at the pace that they want to on offense and win every game that they play because the defense certainly isn't going to be able to stay on the field 99 plays every game when Kentucky controls the ball for 46 minutes. And they they made the crunch time play. Alante Taylor made the crunch time play with the pick six to ultimately what was the game sealer for Tennessee to, to get that extra seven, get that 45. You still wonder – especially this week against Georgia. How tired is this Tennessee defense going to be? Because Georgia, with Stetson Bennett, they're going to want to pound the rock and they're going to want to run the football and they're going to want to showcase uh, Stetson Bennett's ability uh, to run and they're going to want to they're going to want to stay out of those third and longs. But, but Stetson Bennett did show the ability against Missouri to – stay out of those uh, whenever they did get in those third and longs, he was able to to make those passes and Arian Smith uh, taking the top off the defense and A.D. Mitchell catching those touchdown passes as well. So Tennessee, they are the second best team in the East right now. They go to Georgia this week. And We'll talk about this a little bit later whenever we get to Georgia and the SEC, just the generic SEC takeaways from the weekend. But all credit to Tennessee. They're firing on all cylinders on offense right now. Hendon Hooker is playing at an all-time level uh, in that offense. And and if they keep creating those explosive plays, there's not many defenses in the country that are going to be able to slow them down. And, uh, and just credit to – to Josh Heupel, the, the key is going to be the crunch time questions going forward, even after this season, is can you provide enough wrinkles every year on offense in order to stay away from the book being out on you? And can you create the depth in recruiting and through the transfer portal again on defense to be able to withstand the amount of plays that your defense is going to be on the field? Because they were on the field 101 plays against Ole Miss and they were on the field 99 plays on Saturday night against Kentucky. So definitely going to be a, a tired defense heading into that Georgia game this week. So we'll see what Tennessee does there. On to the rest of the SEC takeaways. Start with Alabama first. They escape LSU 20-14. to 14. Very curious to see how Alabama came out of the bye week offensively because I thought that was going to tell us a lot about where they were but frankly they just fell uh, flat on their face they don't they just don't they still have the issues on the offensive line and they still don't have the receivers outside of Jamison Williams because Mechie he 
plays so much better when they have a few more uh, receivers in the fold, a few more top-notch receivers in the fold. Jamison Williams is certainly doing all he can. If they didn't have Jamison Williams, they would have lost at least one, maybe two more games uh, this year. So Jamison Williams has been a crunch time player for Alabama for sure. But can you still create that wide receiver depth heading down the stretch of the season? Because that's what it's going to take for Alabama on offense if they want to win the rest of their games, if they want to defeat Georgia in the SEC championship game and make it to the playoff. Creating wide receiver depth, that's going to be the key for Alabama. No Hall, JoJo Earl, those guys, we talked about them a lot. We've spoken about them a lot uh, in the preseason, into the season. They just haven't been there uh, to produce when Alabama's needed them most. It's really been Jamison Williams' his show, and, and Mechie hasn't really been able to do anything uh, because he doesn't have uh, enough top-notch uh, receivers around him uh, to be able to take the pressure uh, off of him especially they're going to want to double-team him, and, and Jamison Williams is the only guy that has been able to do that so far from Alabama. So creating that receiver depth, and Jaleel Billingsley at tight end hasn't done uh, what that – I'm sure what that staff thought he would do uh, in the in the preseason. He certainly hasn't lived up uh, to his end of the bargain, it seems like, both on the field uh, and off the field if you listen to, to Nick Saban. But – Creating that wide receiver depth, can you create it? Because Ohio State's got it with Olave. I know Wilson didn't play on Saturday against Nebraska, but Smith and Jigba with the over 200 yards receiving on Saturday against Nebraska. Ohio State's got it. There's a couple other teams that have great wide receiver depth. So can you create that wide receiver depth coming down the stretch? If you're Alabama, that is the crunch time question. And the defense one-year game, uh, Will Anderson, he's a guy make, making the crunch time plays, game-winning plays. That The defense is – that's really the first time in a while that, that we've seen the, the defense have to win a game uh, for Alabama, and they certainly did that. But they're definitely going to have to play a lot more complimentary football going forward with that wide receiver depth to be able to – to win the rest of their games coming down the stretch and knock off Georgia in the SEC championship game. Speaking of Georgia, they blow out Missouri. And the reason that I wanted to bring this game up is to really highlight Georgia in terms of where they are now leading into this game against Tennessee on Saturday. This is the first time setting up this game. We're going to talk about it a lot more uh, in the crunch time preview later in the week. But this is the first Really, really big test for Georgia's secondary. And it's the only thing that Georgia has to pass for me uh, in order for me to, to say that, that I don't think anybody's beating them the rest of the way. If they pass this test against Tennessee in the back end, if they do not allow those explosive plays, if they don't allow Tennessee to create those explosive plays, in the passing game, in the secondary, then that's really the only thing that we haven't seen Georgia been t be tested by uh, on defense. We we know about the front seven. We know about 
Davis and Walker and N'Kobe Dean. We know about all those guys in the front seven, but that back end is the only thing that really hasn't been tested for Georgia. So if they pass the test with flying colors, if they score 100 on the test this week then against Tennessee, then, then I will sit here and say that I don't think anybody is beating Georgia. That's the last piece of the puzzle of that Georgia has to put in this Saturday because if you if you can stop those explosive plays against Tennessee, you can limit them enough against an Ohio State uh, in the playoff that has has Wilson, Olave, and Smith and Jigba. You you feel better about your prospects leading in to those kind of games if you can limit Tennessee's explosive plays on offense on Saturday. So if they pass the test with flying colors, then be, I'll be saying that Georgia, I don't think anybody's beating them come next week when we do the crunch time recap. But if they don't, if Tennessee can hit some explosives, and personally I think they will because we've seen some teams uh, like South Carolina with, with Zeb Nolan hit a couple of explosives against Georgia earlier in the season. I don't I don't think just off the cuff right now, I know we'll dive into it a lot more in the crunch time preview, but to me I'm I'm really liking the the Tennessee plus 20 and a half uh, in this game against Georgia because I think they will be able to create uh, some explosive plays. But you know, no team I don't think is beatable or no team is unbeatable uh, right now in college football, but if, if Georgia passes that secondary test with flying colors uh, this week against Tennessee, then they pro- would probably move in uh, to the to the unbeatable uh, category for me, the the elite category for me, uh, especially on defense. And and uh, but if they do for Georgia, I don't want to dive into the preview too much, but if they do give up some explosive plays against Tennessee, will we see? Will we see JT Daniels on offense again for Georgia to have to – do you trust Stetson Bennett to be able to go out and win you a football game offensively? Now, that's a crunch time question that we'll have to find out on Saturday. You're definitely going to be the one of the crunch time questions that I have leading into this game when we do the preview. We know we always like to do the crunch time questions for both teams. So a couple of crunch time questions we've already laid out. Uh, for this game. So a little sneak peek to the to the crunch time preview uh, for Georgia and Tennessee later in the week. So but congratulations to to Kirby Smart and Georgia continue to motor through the competition and we'll see if if they pass the secondary test with flying colors on Saturday afternoon against Tennessee. Moving out of the SEC now Ohio State they survived Nebraska 26 to 17 and and Nebraska they continue uh, to drop close games. Nebraska's playing a lot better football right now under Scott Frost. Think about the games that they've lost. They against top five teams. They they haven't lost a single game by double digits against a top five team. And you know, you think the the script, the the movie script, has been the same for for Scott Frost against top five teams this year. They've, and you think about that little sequence uh, in the in the fourth quarter. You think Nebraska has the momentum against Ohio State. They're driving down the field, 
And then Adrian Martinez overthrows the receiver on third and four. And then Nebraska kicker comes out and just shanks the field goal. So that, that was really the epitome of Nebraska against top five teams this year in the script uh, that was closely followed uh, by Nebraska in, in games against top five teams this year. But Jackson Smith and Jigba for Ohio State, he's – spoiler alert, he's a crunch time player this week, over 200 yards receiving in the absence of Garrett Wilson. And Ohio State did some really nice things defensively. The Ohio State's number four now uh, in the latest college football playoff ranking. Just take care of your business, win the Big Ten, and and you're going to be in that college football playoff. Still got Michigan State and Michigan still left. If you're Ohio State, still got to clean up a couple things defensively before you play those games, and definitely want to get Garrett Wilson back before those games as well, so you can have a a great time uh, on offense if you're Ohio State. And you got Purdue this week, number 19 Purdue now ranked after beating number three Michigan State this past week. So Purdue, it, it could be – you could get into a shootout with Purdue because Aiden O'Connell and, and David Bell, that wide receiver, 200 yards receiving in two of the last three games, over 200 yards receiving in two of the last three games. And if you get, you might have to get into a shootout with Purdue, especially uh, still trying to clean up some things on defense if you're Ohio State. Can you score enough points on offense, which I think Ohio State can uh, with C.J. Stroud in that offense, especially if you get Garrett Wilson back. It's going to be a fun game to watch this week. Ohio State and Purdue, one of the underrated games of the weekend. So definitely want to keep your eyes uh, peeled uh, for that one on Saturday. But uh, congratulations to Ohio State and to Ryan Day. And, you know, you just hate it for Nebraska. Uh, Scott Frost is is, is going to be around next year now, a restructured contract through, uh, for next year in 2022. But but that, that just means that you that you got to win next year. And if you don't, then then uh, you're going to be out uh, as Nebraska's head coach. So, but definitely uh, thankful that Scott Frost is, is going to get one more opportunity especially with the way uh, this team has fought uh, again especially against top five teams top 10 teams this year uh, he definitely deserves a, a one more opportunity to be able to make things right uh, in Lincoln and if uh, if he doesn't do that uh, next year on the restructure contract then of course he'll be out of there but but uh, credit to that administration for for notice or for seeing the improvement uh, throughout the season, this team is is not uh, who they were in week zero when we lost when uh, we watched them lose to Illinois. Uh, this is a much better Nebraska team than they were then, and uh, so credit uh, that administration for realizing that and for uh, giving Scott Frost one more season uh, to make things right on that restructured deal and pulling for him to get it to get it uh, turned around because. With the history and the pageantry of college football, college football is better uh, when Nebraska is good. So definitely pulling for for Scott Frost. Hope he can turn it around. The, the upset of one of the upsets of Saturday is what knocked the ACC out of the college football playoff altogether. North Carolina upsets Wake Forest fifty eight to fifty five. Just incredible, incredible game. It was shootout. No, I love I love me a good shootout. 
you know, I know there, there's all these, I know all the defensive people out there are gonna, they're gonna listen to that and, and cringe, but, but man, I, I love me a good shootout. I don't like how long the game takes, uh, four hours uh, in duration, which is what that game uh, took on Saturday afternoon. But man, I love some some firing, ex- explosive offenses, which certainly Wake Forest and North Carolina both are. Uh, we do that there probably wasn't going to be any much defense played uh, in this game, especially with the way North Carolina and Wake Forest, their, both their defenses looked in the early going of the season. So we knew it was going to be a shootout. And Ty Chandler, he's a crunch time player this week for North Carolina, the running back. He made the plays down the stretch. He made the crunch time plays, crunch time runs down the stretch to be able to – get North Carolina to that 55 mark and ultimately upset Wake Forest 58 to 55. That knocks the ACC out of the playoff, but huge credit to Wake Forest and, and the season that they're having. I hope they win the rest of their games, go 11 and one and, and go to a great bowl game. No, I didn't think that they would make the playoff anyway, even if they did go undefeated, but credit to them and the season that they had. I know it's, it's really tough to, to credit them after a loss, but but credit them because they're they're having an incredible, incredible season by Wake Forest standards right now and and really hope that they win the rest of their games and, and go 11-1 and one and uh, get the opportunity to play in that ACC championship game. So certainly bright days ahead in the next few weeks for Wake Forest. And and Sam Howell, I thought, really played well. He's he's re- He's not been the problem. For North Carolina this year, he's still going to be uh, one of the top three or four quarterbacks taken in the 2022 NFL draft in April. He just hadn't had the weapons at wide receiver. And Ty Chandler really starting to come into his own now the last few weeks at running back. But um, he just took a while for the for the receivers to establish that chemistry with Sam Howell. And, and we kind of wrote uh, Sam Howell off after – week one against Virginia Tech, but he his numbers of the last year to this year are really the same. We just don't think about it as much because he doesn't have the weapons around him that he had last year. And that's ultimately really what what's caused the downfall of North Carolina so far this season. But credit them, credit Mac Brown for the win. Huge win over Wake Forest, 58-55. And throughout the rest of college football to kind of wrap us up before we get to the crunch time players and then we'll get out of here. The Cincinnati beats Tulsa 28 to 20. Cincinnati still got them penciled in for the playoff, even though they've kind of they've kind of wobbled the last couple of weeks. But that win over Notre Dame, top 10 team, according to the playoff committee, it's certainly a, a feather in the cap. And uh all you have to do if you're, you're Cincinnati is win the rest of the games. Still going to need a little bit of help. Um, like I said, I've, I've got them penciled in still, but but because uh, I'm not expecting uh, Oklahoma to win the rest of their games. But if they do, if Oklahoma does win the rest of their games and wins the Big 12, goes 13-0, then you can't keep Oklahoma out of the playoff. And if, Ohio, if a team like Ohio State, wins the rest of the way. I still don't think Oregon controls their own destiny. I also think Oregon uh, 
has a great opportunity to lose again when they go to Utah. So I'm still not sure that it, that Oregon even controls their own destiny, uh, even where they stand right now at number three. Not sure if the committee would still have them there uh, on Selection Sunday because if Ohio State wins to the rest of their games and wins the Big Ten, if Oklahoma wins the rest of their games, wins the Big 12, and, and if Alabama uh, makes it to the SEC championship game and beats Georgia, then Alabama and Georgia are going to make it in, and then you're going to have Ohio State and Oklahoma still in there. And so a lot of scenarios still left to play out. No, a lot of people are talking about the rankings this week. A lot of people talking about Michigan uh, being ranked ahead of Michigan State, which I don't agree with. Uh, like everybody, Michigan State uh, beat Michigan on the field just two weeks ago. Uh, the recency is is still very much there. So obviously, feel like you got to rank Michigan State over Michigan, but just a talking point, something for us to talk about. Uh, throughout the week, uh, into the weekend, and certainly next week uh, after this week's games are over, we're going to be uh, overreacting again uh, to the playoff rankings, which is exactly what uh, the committee and ESPN wants us to do uh, as avid college football fans. So just trying to – they're just trying to stir up the interest in the playoff, but I'm not going to overreact to it. I, know I overreact uh, to it a good bit, but but especially starting this week, I've – just decided I'm not going to overreact to it because it's all going to play itself out on the field over the next four weeks as we move in to Selection Sunday. So still got Cincinnati penciled in, but there's still uh, some breaks that are going to have to go their way uh, if they want to make the playoff. And uh, that's, It's just the way just the way it is uh, right now, and, and that's, that's just why I've got them penciled in. So. But again, if you take care of business the rest of the way, win the American, you're, you're going to be in the conversation. And if a couple things go your way, if you're Cincinnati, you're going to be in the college football playoffs. So definitely, definitely things to be excited about if you're Cincinnati and if you're Luke Fickle and that Bearcat program. Final thing is I want to get into the crunch time players for the week. Ty Chandler mentioned him earlier. The crunch time plays down the stretch to help North Carolina beat Wake Forest on Saturday. Michael Clemens, the only touchdown scored in that Texas A&M-Auburn game. Michael Clemens with the scoop and score. He's a crunch time player this week. Dominique Johnson in Arkansas's win over Mississippi State. We didn't touch on that game because I wanted to wait to touch on it here in the crunch time players, but Dominic Johnson. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the crunch time players here. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed, make sure you're following us Twitter and Instagram at plays crunch. The graphic has been posted out there. So Dominic Johnson, the running back for Arkansas, two critical, two critical touchdowns in the game, crunch time touchdowns for Arkansas. They beat Mississippi state 31 to 28. So Dominic Johnson is a crunch time player. Jackson Smith and Jigba, we talked about him earlier when we discussed Ohio State. Over 200 yards receiving in the game against Nebraska, and that was really, really a crunch time moment for Ohio State, especially in the absence of Garrett Wilson. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver at Ohio State, he is a crunch time player this week. And the final crunch time player, we mentioned him already, Alante Taylor, the defensive back for Tennessee. 
what ultimately was the game-winning pick six of Will Levis. Took it back to the house for the touchdown for Tennessee. Tennessee knocks off Kentucky 45-42, and those are the crunch time players this week. And with that, that's a wrap on the crunch time recap. Just a reminder, make sure that you subscribe to the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel. Still over 95% of our viewers still aren't subscribed. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you prefer to listen to the show. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Certainly always appreciated, and thank you so much for doing that. And make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram at Plays Crunch for all the show content, shows, graphics, the whole works. You'll find it over there on Twitter and Instagram at Plays Crunch to make sure you're following there. And we'll be back later in the week. A lot of crunch time previews to get to later in the week. So looking forward to all of those. I'm Bennett Ganey as always. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of the Crunch Time Recap right here on Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Crunch Time Plays with your host, Bennett Ganey. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow at Plays Crunch on Twitter and Instagram.